Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. We'll be speaking with Cody Juno in the 10 o'clock hour like we do each Tuesday. But other than that, we can uh, we will have open phone lines. So if you would like to get in, again, lots to discuss. We touched on the Cajuns yesterday. We touched on the Tigers, So, but plenty more to discuss there. We just kind of mentioned McNeese in passing, and he, you know, we'll be talking again to Tom on Friday. Uh, the NL, the World Series, Major League Baseball, lots to discuss there, whether it's the World Series matchup and what you think there or the fallout for the Teams like the like, what in the world are the Yankees going to do now? And then obviously the NFL. So, and high school football. We even t- talked more high school football yesterday. Speaking of high school football, uh, we got news yesterday that Acadiana and Karen Crow have moved their game from Friday to Thursday to avoid the expected bad weather on Friday. I got news this morning that St. Martinville and Abbeville has done the same. So the St. Martinville-Abbeville game is now Thursday. If if anybody else knows, I, 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 it sounds like there's going to be some schools having to make some decisions here. And so if anybody else knows officially that a game has been changed, please let us let us know. But the only ones that I know of so far are Acadiana, Karen Crow, and St. Martinville and Abbeville. Speaking of Acadiana, Karen Crow, at about 9.35 tomorrow, plan on talking to... Karen Crow High head football coach Tony Corville. I joked with him when I asked him to come on. Um, I said, we, we, we want to try to find out why y'all can't score any points. And it's just unbelievable, that Karen Crow offense. Oh, man. it's it Put up 72. They set in records. I mean, it's it just it's unbelievable. But anyway, we will discuss that. Um. I guess why they moved to Thursday, but we kind of know why. And then playing Acadiana, which is always a great matchup and, and has been for, for decades. And so we'll we'll discuss that. Folks, this is week nine. Next week at this time, we're going to be going into the last week of the regular season in high school football. We are that close to the playoffs. So it's it's um it's kind of crazy. But that that's kind of where we are. So again. The game hotline is 706-0111. You know, I joked. Well, I didn't joke. I, I was just saying yesterday, I, I've been, my mind's been so cluttered and focused on other things. If you had asked me yesterday morning who was playing in the Monday night football game, usually I would know, but I, I had remember seeing it once Hannah told me who it was, but I, I didn't, I couldn't remember in that moment. And, I didn't see very much of the game last night, but I saw enough to know that it's just unbelievable what turnovers do. I mean, it just I mean, the Bears still are not good offensively, but they went to New England and they just crushed them because they had three interceptions and and, and made them count. And 
got a few big plays on offense, but they're they're not a good offense. But you you cannot have a good offense. You can go on the road against an average to better than average defense, and and put up thirty some points if you play defense, and not only just play good defense, but if you force turnovers. I mean, even though the Saints have played terrible, like they're way in last, they're, they they got the worst turnover margin in the NFL. You, it's it's just hard to win that way. You know, I see a lot of people say, "Well, I don't see any hope for the Saints." Well, don't turn over the football and see what happens. I mean, again, if they can go through two or three games. And win the turnover margin and still lose, then you have a serious problem. Now, they have a serious problem. Now, don't get me wrong, but because they've lost too many games. But most of it's just turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Now, I don't feel like they're playing good defense. I think the defense has been miserably, um, I mean, just completely disappointing. I mean, it, it is, this is, the defense is starting to look like the defenses of 15 and 16. I mean, that's what it's starting. It's starting to feel like we're in 2015 and 16. And and there's no reason why this defense should be that bad. No reason. None. And so um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. Um, there's all kind of crazy, you know, baseball talk, what's going to happen and how much money is Judge going to get? I mean, if you're in the business of winning MVPs, like if you want a player, on, if you're in the, and I understand marketing and having elite players and all that helps fan interest. But I mean, if you're the Yankees, the fan interest is there. I mean, do, do you ever really have to fight for fan interest if you're the Yankees? Like, why would you possibly re-sign Judge? Seriously, why would you do that? Unless your goal is to win the MVP. Now, if that's that important to you, that you have a guy that might win the MVP, then do it. Um, I guess what, what if the Yankees keep going down that road, what are we going to call, what are we going to call, like, at least they make the playoffs, I guess, but here and there. But, I mean, you're going to have the little MVP specific and the little MVPs Atlantic. I mean, think about it. Why would why would you pay 400 and something million for a, and tie up all that money in one player when, when you get to the playoffs, what does he do? What does he do? Now, I, I think it can be unfair – Sometimes in the playoffs, great players don't get it done. But this isn't a one-time thing or a two-time thing with him. Like, it's great that he puts up all these numbers, and, and, and he seems like a great guy. He really does. Like, he's not like a punk like Barry Bonds was. He seems like a great guy. He really does. Um, And he he's he's... For as big as he is, he's better defensively than you'd think he would be. You know, but there's no way. Like, if someone said the Astros are signing 
Judge, I would like, are you crazy? Why would you even think about it? Put all that money in one player. It's not how you win. I mean, you just, I mean, the Dodgers tried, the Punks tried to do it, and it basically never works. But I don't think their problem is that. I mean, they're, they're so over the top with spending money. I just, like, he can, one player in baseball can only help you so much. Like, how how did how did Judge, let's say you pay him 400 and something million. How, 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 ex- explain, how does that, to me, how does that get you closer to the World Series, to winning the World Series, or to even making the World How does that do it? I, I just... I understand that, you know, the Astros for a while, you know, they're spending way more money than they used to spend compared to, you know, not compared to the Yankees and the Punks, but compared to the Padres, but like compared to, you know, 80% of the league or 90% of everybody else besides that, those top three or four, then the Mets, you know, other than the New York teams and the pod, I mean, other than them, they spend a lot of money, but but compared to everyone else, you know, they spend more money, but not nothing for years the Astros were not even close to that top three or four or five. Um and yet I think if you look at the consistency with which the Astros have had over the last six to seven to eight years. You know, they made it to the ALCS six years in a row. But the year before that, they had a winning season. They just didn't make the playoffs. They had a medicine season. And the year before that, they were one bad inning in the bullpen away from being in the ALCS that year. It'd be seven out of eight. So, and they didn't do that by paying three and four hundred million to one player who chance who's got a history of doing nothing in the postseason. Nothing. Like all year long, when I say, man, they're putting it on a tee, and it and, and it's impressive. How often when the pitchers put it on a tee, how often Judge hit it for a homer? But that's not going to happen in the postseason. So are you trying to win a regular season MVP? Or are you trying to win, get to the World Series and win it? What are you trying to do? Like, I I just, I don't, if the Yankees sign Judge, I think that's, in, I think that's stupid. I, I just don't get it. I, don't, I won't get what they're doing other than, boy, we really like the publicity and we really want to win an MVP. Why? Like, who cares? I, I I don't get the whole... I mean, this whole country is MVP. They're already talking about MVPs in the NBA. We've been playing for, what, a week? Who cares who wins the MVP? Like, why does why do we still talk about this? They're talking about it in the NFL. You know, it's just like MV, MVP. Who cares? Trying to win the Super Bowl. Trying to get to the playoffs. I I, I just... If I was a Yankee fan, I would not want to sign Judge. And again, not because you should hate him or any of that. He's gonna he's gonna get unbelievable amounts of money. You got to you can't you can't do that. I I, I just think that's craziness, craziness. You gotta you gotta have better depth on your team than that. And it's not that he's bad because he's not. It's that he's not. It's there's not enough. It's kind of like the Carlos Correa situation. Now, Carlos 
Aaron Judge has had Hall of Fame offense. He, he's coming off a Hall of Fame offensive season. But what did he do in the playoffs? Next to nothing. Next to nothing. He made out after out after out after out. Carlos Correa. Do I like Carlos Correa? Yeah. Carlos Correa never came. The Astros, they, they just couldn't give him that money. It would have been stupid because he's, for, in Carlos Correa's case, I said over and over, he has never had one great offensive season. Now, Carlos Correa tends to hit better in the playoffs than like a judge, Aaron Judge does. But you can't pay that much money to one guy. This is not basketball. You, you only bat once. And when you only bat once in the order, every time you go through the order and you're hitting like 190 or whatever judge hit, like how much are you helping your team get to the World Series? You got to have you got to have a team. I, I just, I think it'd be crazy if they'd sign him. But they might. You know, my guess would be he's going to go to the Giants, but it's a guess. I have no idea. The talk is the punks are going to get him too. The punks. I mean, at some point, even if you're a fan of the punks, you got to be going, oh, enough, guys. Like, come on now. Like, if they go get Judge, and they got Judge and Turner and Mookie Betts, and they just go get everybody. It's, at some point, that gets to be silly. But somehow, it you know, they, they uh, unbelievable amount of games that they've won. I mean, their consistency has been incredible over the last decade the punks but it hasn't had it hasn't led to postseason success because because baseball is not basketball it really it it's about the Jims and Joes but it's not about having elite players because elite the game beats you the the game of basketball does not beat elite players the game of baseball can beat an elite player you don't the other team don't even have to do it like, Judge beat himself. Now, the Astros know how to get the Yankees out, okay? But Judge beat himself by having an unbelievably historic September. You can't do that. You can't do that. Then the Piper beat you. You don't even need the Astros to beat you. It's craziness. So, well, lots of interesting things going on in baseball. And this analytical talk, I think, just gets totally um, misconstrued as well. All right, let's do this. We'll take a time out. Come back. Talk more. And again, open phone lines between now and, and, and 1015. We'll take a, a time out on the game, and we'll be back. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Old Tucktail. Tucktail. Noun. A former NFL coach who put his tail between his legs and went back to college where it's easier to win. Also known as Nick Saban. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on 
the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. If you would like to eat some great gumbo and help a good cause, you need to take part in the annual gumbo cook-off at Park International on Wednesday. That is tomorrow from 5 to 7, family-friendly event. Features Halloween costume contests, music by Rouge Crew, and of course, great gumbo from 26 different teams of area realtors who are competing for the title of Best Gumbo. Tickets cost $10 and can be purchased with cash only at the event. All proceeds benefit these three local charities, Maddie's Footprints, Habitat for Humanities, and Lane's Legacy. So come out, eat some gumbo, help good causes, and have some Halloween fun with the Realtor Association of Acadiana's annual gumbo cook-off tomorrow. All right. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, Plethora is a great word. We have a plethora of great topics that we could discuss. All these sports are merging, and we haven't even... You know, we'll get to the NBA eventually, but it's just been, um, you know, lots of baseball, lots of news and getting towards the end of football season and uh, college football and NFL. And it's um, obviously, you know, it's World Series week and we are the home of the Houston Astros. So uh, and a lot of Astro fans out there and a lot of angry Yankee fans. So lots of baseball talk as well. All right, let's go back to the hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. How you doing this morning? Oh, I'm trying. I'm I'm trying to heed your advice. I read as many positive stories. I tried to relish all of the the goodness of being in the World Series, but I don't know. I'm come tomorrow probably for sure and or tomorrow maybe Thursday for sure, the nerves are going to start setting in, so we'll see. Well, make make sure you take your blood pressure medicine. Yes, sir. Uh, I called because I heard you talking about that 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 player you like to call Judge or whatever. You hit it the net, the, you hit it right on the head. Uh, to win a World Series or a championship, one player is not going to win a franchise a, a, a championship. It brings me back to the old cliche: What does team stand for? Together, everyone achieves. For the team that has continuity and that. Playing together is always going to be the team that's going to win the championship. One player, and that's why I said all season long that the Yankees were not built for a World Series run. They have a bunch of players, and that's it. There's no continuity on it. Their pitching's horrible. I mean, John Carlos Stanton. I mean, that's another one. When his contract will become up, they're going to. It's going to be the same thing. You know, I mean, unless you got continuity on a team, you're not going to win a World Series or a championship, Super Bowl. Same thing with Russell Wilson. I mean, he had a good defense that, that bought him a Super Bowl. You know, and what is he doing in Denver? Absolutely nothing. Overrated. But uh, I, I have to agree with you on that. I mean, they're going to throw Judge this ridiculous amount of money. And another point I want to bring up. Anytime, anytime you got a player of that, like, like that, with that frame, that big, He's going to be injury prone. You know, I mean, this was the full, first full season that he's actually played without getting injured. In how long? How many seasons? I mean, he's always been injured. But 
maybe you can go to the Angels with the Angels like uh, throwing. Uh, now that would be funny. Towards, uh, that would be funny. Yeah, no, I mean uh, they're towards player. I mean I'm about to start calling them the the uh, Los Angeles injured reserves. That's what I'm gonna start calling them. But uh, I, I have to agree with you, you know. But somebody said, well, what if the Boston when he goes to Boston? I don't want no part of that guy. None whatsoever. You know. So, but uh, thank thanks for taking uh, my call and uh, have a good one. All right, take Thank care. You, you know, I I I think. A lot of decisions that general managers make are for, you know, good, whatever the sport, sound baseball, football, basketball decisions. But sometimes perception leads to it as well. And the reason why I think the Giants may go after him, one, you know, he's from that area. And two, like they're in an arms race in that division. I mean, the punks pick up everybody. They, you know, if there's someone to be signed, they're after him. And the Padres have kind of become that as well. Like anybody who's out there, they're just after him. So it's like the Giants have won three World Series championships in recent memory with a which a hodgepodge. No, I mean they had Buster Posey was an elite catcher, but they didn't have any other elite players on those teams. They had a bunch of no names on those teams, and. Um, you know, their ace pitcher was a star and they had a star catcher. And that was about it. Um, and yet they won three titles because this is baseball. It's not football or basketball. But but I but I, I'm wondering because all the headlines are constantly grabbed in that division by the punks and the Padres, I'm wondering if they just want their star too and so they're going to go after him. Now, there are no there are no cheap home runs in that ballpark. And so from a from a stat standpoint, I wonder if he would go there just because, you know, he ain't going to get a bunch of cheap little home runs over there. You gotta. I mean, it's a beautiful ballpark, but it ain't. It, it, it there's no cheapies. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Got some breaking news. Uh-oh. Yankees just signed Aaron Judge, ten years, seven hundred and twenty-four million. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish. I'd be all for that. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Foot, how's it going? Oh, pins and needles again. So, on this on this Aaron Judge situation, I mean, what would what, what make sense for him to sign? Like, the way you're talking about him, it, it would make it would make sense for nobody to sign him. Well, no, it, it would make sense for someone who, you know, wants to have a star on their team to be like, uh, you know, to be more relevant. Um, I, I I could see the Giants signing him, but I I don't I don't I just I just don't think they would win. Like if you're trying to win the World Series, you're not signing. You can't pay that much money to one player. So you're saying if you add an elite offensive talent, offensive bat in your lineup, it does, it will never equate to wins in the playoffs. Well, and let the only way the only team I could see it might work. Is the punks just because their their salary is so outrageous 
that when he go when he hits 190 in the playoffs with no RBIs or hardly any RBIs that you might still be able to win. Like again, it it's you you have to get to the playoffs first, that is true. But but what are you going to do if you've got 400 million sunk into one guy and he hits 210 in the playoffs with 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 very few RBIs? You better have a bunch of other good players that can help you win those games. And and the, we, uh, and the punks might be the only one that could pay that much to one player and still have enough good players when he does nothing in the playoffs to win. Can we uh can we talk about the Saints or is that uh is Oh that absolutely. I, I I mean I'm I'm so disgruntled, but absolutely the Saints are always on the on the board. Is it okay, look, I don't wanna <laughs> I, I'm I'm very careful in, in talking about this topic because it it seems like it's way out in left field, but I don't I don't think it's out of the possibility that this team still makes the playoffs, and I feel like even saying those words is just like it's almost like silly. Well, no, it's it. not. It, but but again, it, it what you're you're correct, but they have to win a game or two, and then I can seriously talk about it. Like. Like I think I think the Raiders should be 6 and 0 right now. Like I don't know that they can beat the Raiders. But if they do then like then it, then we can maybe start thinking about it. But they've got they've got to win I think two games. If they can win their next two games, then we can start really talking about it. Maybe if they win one game, but they got to they got to show they can win some games first. Then we can talk about it. When they were when they were one and three, I thought they had to be three and three for me to still feel like they could make the playoffs. And now they're not three and three; they're two and four. But I'm looking at the rest of the division, and it's like nobody's nobody wants to win this division. So as long as the division's still up in the air, I mean, it's still possible. And until it's not possible as a fan, like I'm like, well, I mean, let's just let's just play it out. Let's see what happens. I mean, I, I don't know what has to happen or if they need to add anybody to this team or if the current roster as it's built is good enough to do it. But with the way the, way the division is lining up, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's like I said, I don't, I don't like admitting that I still think they can make the playoffs. Like I feel, I feel dumb for thinking that. No, but, no, I mean, it's, it, it, it is what it is. They might catch a break if they could ever, the, the saints are two and six right now is what they really are. Okay. And so they, they are, they got a long way to go, but, um, you know, the, the the leader in the division is three and four, so it can happen, but you got to win games. And, and I don't think they need any more talent. They just need a few healthy bodies for a change, and they need everybody to play to their potential, which on defense is not happening. There is plenty enough offense on this team, and there's plenty enough talented players on defense, and there's plenty enough um, – uh, special teams guys that can get it done. They just have to play. I mean, okay, it, it, so this is not a talent problem. This is a an injury problem and a and an underachieving problem. So you so you so you haven't thrown the towel in on the season just yet. Well, only because the, the I mean your game out of first I mean you can't throw in the towel when you're a game out of first or really a game and a half out of first you can't do it but if any right, other year I would have thrown in the towel but not right now no I mean it they're two and six but they they could 
you know, finish. Seven wins might win this division. Yeah. All right. I just want to make sure I wasn't on an island. No, I don't think you are. But, All again, right. it's just too premature to talk about because you got to win a game first. Like, you got to win a game. You know, we we tend as fans to look at it from our point of view only. But, and while I'm still angry at the officials for cheating and stealing a game for the Vikings, I mean, the Saints outplayed the Vikings. They should have won. The, the officials cheated. I mean, they stole the game. It's just, it is what it is. But with that said, the officials then cheated Seattle and gave the Saints a win. Now, and I'm still mad about the Yucks because if the officials hadn't made up a bunch of calls there and taken over the game in the second half, I think the Saints very well could have won that game. We'll never know, but they could have. But the bottom line is the Saints have, I don't know about the bottom. Another way to look at this is the Saints have two wins right now. The officials cheated and gave them one win against Seattle. And the Saints made some plays offensively, but they got outplayed by the Falcons and and found a way to kind of steal a game at the end. Um, But really, they got outplayed. I mean, the only teams, the Saints outplayed the Vikings and the officials cheated. But that's the only team they've outplayed this season, really. I mean... I think they're better than the Arnolds, but they fumbled. They and they missed two field goals. They gave the game. They didn't outplay them. They gave the game to the to the Arnolds. So I mean, they got to prove. I want to see them go out, win a game. Now, if the officials cheat, will I take it? Of course I will. But I want to see them go out against a good team and beat somebody. That's what I want to see. I mean, they need to go out and beat somebody. Whether they're better than them overall or not, just go out and beat somebody. It really hasn't happened. The only team they went out and beat was the Vikings, and the, and the officials decided to cheat that game. Well, I know they didn't really decide, but they, you know, they, they, they cheated. So, I mean, again, it's too – this is – this team – this is – you know, looks like 2015 all over again. And there's no excuse for that. There's too much talent on this team for that. It's pitiful. Pitiful. And hopefully this half a bye week, they get serious about things. And, like, somebody decides to play and somebody decides to play well for a change. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kevin Foote, an award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with, with the, the host bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. A normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. Just out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foot is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here, here. with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to remind you, if you would like to be one of the first people to see the new movie Black Panther Wakanda Forever, you have a chance to win a spot to be for t- tickets for two on the guest list of a private viewing at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard on November the 10th. This is what you need to do. Text PANTHER to 337-283-8100. Text PANTHER to 283-8100, and you might win two tickets for a special viewing of the movie at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard on November the 10th. Brought to you by Celebrity Theaters, Sherman Insurance, and the game. All right. One of the things we've been doing this year is um, doing, uh, I call it a QW search. Uh, QW means quarterback worshipers, and that's what this country is. Whether they believe it or not, the way they act and the things they say and the way they look at the game is that the game of football is nothing more than a game of horse between quarterbacks. And so I decided at the beginning of the year that I was going to, okay, let's look at every game that's played. I got kind of quarterbacks in the three different, you know, the elite quarterbacks, the pretty good ones, but not yet elite, and then kind of the bottom third of quarterbacks. And a lot of times, you you know, you have quarterbacks on the same level playing one another. That happens quite often. This week, not too often. This week was more of a, it was one or the other than ever and was probably the best week even though the Yucks lost, even though the Packers lost, and there were some high-profile Hall of future Hall of Fame quarterbacks that lost, it was actually the best QW week of the year, I think. Um, of course, it wasn't a full schedule because you had quite a few teams that were on bye weeks, but you had eight games where the team with the superior quarterback won. You had four games where the team with the inferior quarterback won. And you had two games that were the same. So 8-4-2. That was a pretty good week. The best week so far for the QWs, I think. Um, And again, that's with two high-profile losses. That obviously garnered a lot of attention nationally. Because the Yucks are struggling with their little Hall of Fame quarterback. And the Packers are struggling with their little Hall of Fame quarterback. But uh, the, the, the totals... Or 40 games won with the superior quarterback, 31 games won with the inferior quarterback, and 37 where it was at, at the same level, which is disappointing. Again, I, I, I kind of knew that was going to happen, but I guess until you actually put pen to paper, you don't realize how many games where you kind of have quarterbacks on the same level, basically. Uh, that happens a whole lot more than than we think, I guess, or at least I thought that it would be, and it just that's just the way it goes. All right, so now the interesting thing is going to be now that most teams are getting closer to being you are what you are, I you know, obviously Saints fans are hoping that's not the case. Obviously um, Ram fans are hoping that's not the case. Uh, obviously Packer fans are hoping that's not the case. There's a lot of teams out there that are hoping that's – and then there are teams like – the Jets and the Giants, who had very little expectations, who were off to fabulous starts. And you're like, is this real? Like, a lot of their fans are probably pinching themselves, like, is this really who we are? And so 
there's still a lot is you know there's still time for some of these teams to turn around their season or to go in the other direction, obviously. But we're getting closer now to, you know, the injuries are always a a you know could mess things up on a team. But you're getting closer to kind of preseason's over and and this is kind of who you you, you kind of are. And so as we get closer, I'm wondering. Once we get, like, we're kind of getting right around approaching midseason. Once we get to into November, I'm wondering if the amount of games that have the superior quarterbacks, that those teams are going to win more. We'll see. You know, again, and this is just one year. I mean, you, you probably would need to do this over several years, but, it, you know, it's still somewhat of a sample size, and we'll, we'll, we'll see how it, how it goes moving on. Now, as far as what the Saints should do at quarterback this week, if if you know the Yucks or the Falcons were off to a really good start, and the Saints were, you know, technically they're two and five in my mind, they're two and six because, like, I mean, they have zero chance of winning at Philly, like zero chance of winning at Philly. So. They're two and six in my mind. Um, and so if those teams, if the best record in the NFC South was like five and two right now, then, I, you know, it would be like, like there's just no chance. And so my answer would be you got to play them. Look, I know most of you disagree with me, and that's fine. You know, that, that's why we have these sports talk radio we we have opinions and a lot of them we agree on a lot of them we disagree on in my mind Jameis Winston has yet to play a real game for the New Orleans Saints so i, I it needs to happen and so we you got to see what you've got here you have to and so if they were completely out of it to Nick's point, then I would say even if he's a little bit banged up, you got to just play him. Now, because there is a glimmer of hope because the the team with the best record right now has one more loss than you do technically, then you have to think about it. Like if, if you have to judge how injured is Jameis, is he really ready to go? Is he really ready to go? And if not, then I could maybe see going with Andy one more week. I don't I don't support I really hope it's James. But only if he's healthy, if they really think he's healthy. They have to think, they have to really think that. Um well so and, and we don't know. You know. And they also have to have um an idea of how much of his poor play before had to do with his health or not? And, and, and a lot of that is just speculation. But, but the reason why I say he hadn't played a full game is last year he was being – the offense, he was being spoon-fed the offense because for obvious reasons. And I think they were just about at the point where he was going to be running, like really running the offense. They were just going to be a, 
a team. It wasn't going to be a spoon-fed situation. And, and then he gets hurt, and he's done for the year. And then this year, he's in, and you got all these injuries, and you and, and you're still in preseason mode. Like, I need him to play the second half of the season. Real games where you're not in preseason mode, and you're not being spoon-fed. And he's got enough time with the receivers to know what you really have to where you can really make a decision on what is the ceiling with this guy. How good can he be? We are, in my mind, he has not played one real football game to do that. He has not played one game for the Saints yet where you can say, well, that was just a real game. This is what he is. Again, spoon-fed last year, preseason. I mean, he's got – whether it's this week or next week, he needs to play. He really needs to be healthy for the – I mean, they've got – you got to you gotta play – a month or two months, well, not a month, two months or three months. You got to play eight games or so, at least a half a season of real games where you can really evaluate him. Like the spoon fed era is over. The preseason is over. It's got to be over now. Like we got to play real games where it really matters, where you can really make a real evaluation. It's got to happen soon. If not, then you're going to go into the offseason you're not going to have any answers whether you make the playoffs or not. What a mess. What a mess. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour next on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnote. Kevin Foot on. The game. Want to remind you, the Karen Crow Cultural District is hosting the Crow Fest. Downtown Karen Crow Fall Festival this Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m. Families are inviting to enjoy a safe trick-or-treating along St. Peter Street where there will be close to vehicle traffic during the event. There will be also games, a haunted house, a petting zoo, and costume contests for kids, pumpkin carving contests as well. So from 6 to 8 this Saturday, the Crow Fest in Karen Crow. All right, we've got a third game now. We announced at the top of the hour, we heard one of them yesterday, Katiana versus Karen Crow. That game originally scheduled for Friday is now on Thursday. The um, St. Martinville at Abbeville game has been scheduled for Thursday, and now St. Edmund at Westminster has been moved to Thursday. There are several other coaches who have said that they're kind of waiting to see and, and will probably make a decision sometime today whether they're going to move their game or not. Some coaches are telling me, why in the world would I move it? And some are like, well, we're waiting to see. So, you know, obviously, like anything, you, you have different opinions on how to handle situations. Uh, some teams are having homecoming, so they don't really want to move the game to Thursday for homecoming. But... If it's pouring, then do you really want homecoming when it's pouring? But then how do you know it, that it's not going to rain on Thursday? I, I, to me, that's a tough call. When I heard it yesterday, I was like, they know on Monday how bad it's going to be on Friday in South Louisiana? I, I, don't, I don't know. Again, I, I'm, I'm terrible at this whole weather thing. Because my, my approach is basically, I just, I just, like, I never get up in the morning and check the weather. 
Like I should, and there are probably some days that I should, but I never do it. Like I might ask Michelle, like, what did you hear? But I just, I don't know. I, I just never thought about it that much. But I'm not a baseball coach or a football coach or, you know, and so I don't, I don't have to think about it that much. Um, supposedly the weather's going to be bad and the reports are not good. I, you know, how accurate those are on a Monday and a Tuesday. Again, I'm, I'm far from an expert on this. So I'm just, I'm just kind of reporting what I know. And so far we know that three games have been moved and at least three other coaches have told me they're considering it. And we'll wait. So we'll wait and see. I would think, I mean, I guess you could move the game on Wednesday, but I would think by today, you know, no one wants to go into a Wednesday not knowing if they're playing the next day or not. So I would think by the end of the day today, we should know whether, you know, any other games are going to be moved to Thursday. And it was already a pretty busy Thursday anyway. We already had Como at Barb on the schedule, uh, Delcom at Ascension Episcopal, Catholic Point Capi at North Central and Northwest at Philplatt. So we already had a fair share of, of games on Thursday anyway, and now we have even more. So we'll see how all that plays out. All right, we'll take a timeout. Another hour to follow on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can obviously watch a simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. As we try to monitor... Which teams or any games that are going to be – it kind of caught me off guard in high school football yesterday when a game was changed. So been trying to communicate with coaches to find out who's moving, who's not moving. Um, and, again, several of them are kind of up for grabs right now, so we'll let you know if we hear any. And if you heard, hear any news, certainly would appreciate you passing that alone. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. So far today, we've, tr- we've tried to give our opinions on the – as the baseball offseason begins and you have teams like – have be- has begun, and, and you have teams like the Yankees – who are trying to decide what to do, and a lot of people are, you know, have very, very strong opinions. Do you fire the manager? Do you fire the general manager? Do you sign, you know, high-priced guys like Judge? We've talked about that as well as some, uh, as well as the Saints and their kind of crazy situation. I mean, if I'd have told you again, like I said yesterday, even if you thought the Saints were not going to make the playoffs and have a losing season. If I'd have told you going into the year that seven games into the season, the Saints are going to be sixth in the NFL in points scored, what would you have thought? You, you would have said, hmm, that's better. I mean, I'd have, I'd, have been, I'd have said, sign me up. Instead, they're second to last in yards allowed in the NFL. Because the defense that's been so good the last few years is now putrid with largely the same personnel and coaches, except for like two. I mean, 
It's just, it doesn't make any sense. It's craziness. I don't even know what I'm watching. It's just awful. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. How are you today? Well, you know, uh, yesterday I, I did my best to enjoy the Astros' success, and I read every story that was, you know, that I could find, and all these silly reactions on Twitter and all that junk, and just trying to soak it in as much as I can. And uh, I'm about to get ner- really nervous. It's either going to be tomorrow or the yeah. next day, and then, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, okay, my first point is, man, I, and you know, this is a toughie, but boy, I sure wish it. Uh, I, I don't know exactly how to say it, but I didn't really want to, wanted them to sweep. Kevin, I don't like being undefeated seven games in a row going into the World Series. I know, and my uh, daughter's like, been rebuking me. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Riley's you been know, rebuking me. Yeah, she, yeah. The not guys, good. The guy's got a yeah, – I mean – Dude, I'm not crazy about that scenario. Okay, second thing. Uh, man, you boy, a brand you call Kevin. He's he that he eighth like, inning. Oh. He that eighth inning he pitched in what game three was that? That's the best I've ever seen him pitch. The last game, of the night, he pitched the eighth inning and threw what eight, nine, nine pitches. Ten. I, I didn't want him to take him out uh, when they it's the seven pitches seven thing. I'm sorry when they brought in Montero. Yeah. In the eighth, I was like, oh, oh man. That, I mean, of course, you know, Dusty, the manager knows the team's better than anybody, but, phew, man, I didn't I didn't want to pull him. He was untouchable. My goodness. I have, no, look, I, I have. Of course, all, all, all three relievers Sunday night were just off the, they were off the, off the chart, you know. I mean, uh, as they were most of the, I mean, they, they got the three guys in the seventh, eighth, and ninth were just amazing. Okay, uh, my last thing, Kevin, have you ever, I, I listen, I'll be up, and football's been my life, you know, and, and I watch a lot, not only my job, but I watch a lot, and not in my recent memory, or in my memory, and I thought a lot about being a guy, flip a switch like the cat from LSU, you know, it's not that he was playing terribly before, but man, now he's just like, in the last two weeks, you'd be hard pressed in the country. Well, uh, yes, and and, and, and and I I agree, and, and and right now he's certainly proven me wrong. But but I think some of it is, and we're about to talk Cajun football with Cody, and and like with the Cajuns' offensive line, some of it is it takes some time yeah. to to build mm-hmm. and to get on the same page as everyone. That, and there's a that, lot of newness that's there. Definitely, that's definitely a big factor, and offensive line, you know. It, has played as well as you can play also the last two weeks. That's, and and you know, I was listening to Desmond Moe this morning. You know, I know most people realize this, but you know, when you when you follow it and you cover it or you coach it, the offensive line is, without a doubt, the most difficult group to get to jail. And I think that has – I mean, he's had an amazing amount of time, very little pressure, but, man, that guy is something else. He's a magician running the football, you know, getting away from pressure. And he's, he's designed runs now uh, a lot more so than in the, at the beginning of the season, a lot more design. I mean, they killed Ole Miss. Design runs, I mean, they just – he killed them. In the second half, he ran all over them with mostly, like I said, design, you know, RPOs, whatever you want to call them. I mean, or just straight 
quarterback, right? That, you know, runs counters, whatever. Look, if this is going to continue, if this know? is going to continue, they got a bunch of LSU fans in South Louisiana that you know they won't want to ask Coach Kelly over to their house to eat dinner because he won't go anyway. And even if he right. went, you wouldn't enjoy his company. But he, I think he's going to win a lot of football games. Oh, man. no doubt about that, Kevin. No doubt, man. All right, I just wanted to touch base this week, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, take care. All right, y'all have a good one. It's um, no, uh, no. Certainly, feel free to call and, and discuss LSU again. I know they are, um, you know, I always been critical about the way scheduling is allowed to take place in the college level, but it is what it is. And I think um, I said it yesterday. I think if you're an LSU fan and you put L by the Alabama game at the beginning of the season, I would erase that L. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. They might lose. But that is nowhere near what the quote-unquote automatic loss that you probably penciled or inked it into when you when you looked at the schedule at the beginning of the year. Not even close. There's just no reason to believe that they can't win that game. Now, you still got to execute. You can't turn over the football and you got, you know, there's all kind of things that can help you lose a game to a good team. But Alabama's a good team, but they're not a great team. Like they they <clears throat> I think they were better last year and LSU wasn't very good last year, and they still almost beat them. So that, you know, there's no reason other than they're <laughs> other than they're playing at home, and they always seem to play them better in Tuscaloosa. Which you know, who can explain any of that stuff? Again, the game hotline is seven zero six zero one 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 seven zero six zero one one one. No, I had a lot of questions about Jane Daniel coming in and I you know saw him in the first game and I was like eh, I don't know and then you saw him in another eh, I don't know uh and you know those of you who are big LSU fans have seen him play a whole lot more than I have but but he is as the season goes on he just keeps getting better the offense keeps getting better all you can do is give him credit that's all you can do um by the way Koki will not be on tomorrow he he's on vacation so we will not have Coakley in our weekly visit, and we'll get him back the following week. Just kind of a little, little, little programming note there. And um, so we'll see how, you know, we certainly feel free to still call about LSU football, but take a little bit of a breather from there, from uh, Koki being on vacation, so we won't have uh, him tomorrow. We will have Cody Juno in the next segment. And got lots to talk about going into Thursday's game against Southern Miss. Um, you know, the K- with the Saints, like when Nick called, got to win some games before you can talk about anything. And it was kind of the same way with the Cage. Got to win some games. Well, they have one. <clears throat> they beat Marshall. They beat Arkansas State. And now they're about to play a Southern Miss team not that different than Marshall in that they're a defensive first team. They probably they run it better than they throw it. Same thing as Marshall. Now, they don't run it as good as Marshall. Yeah, Marshall could – I still – I was very impressed with the running back from Marshall. Mar- Marshall could run the football. I don't think Southern Miss is quite where Marshall is running the football. And and they're not a great – you know, they're 
they're not a great passing team either yet. Now, maybe one day they will. They're playing a freshman quarterback. But um, but it's kind of become a lot of teams in the Sun Belt Conference this year. Like Georgia Southern's very different. Um, and and that's a, that might be the scariest game. Like Troy's better than Georgia Southern, I think. But matchup-wise, I mean, Troy's going to be like playing Marshall – you know, like playing Southern Miss. Um, a lot of these teams are just like they're very good defensively. They're okay offensively, but really they're just trying to win the game with defense, which is what the Cajuns are a lot of the time. And so, you know, I, I don't I mean, could they lose to Troy? Of course they could lose to Troy. Of course they could. But, but you know, you're probably not going to have to get to 30 to beat Troy. Like to beat Georgia Southern, you might have to get to 30. Or 28, 30, 32 in that range. I, you know, I don't, we'll see if the offense is, you know, it did it recent, you know, it did it this week, but this past week, but that was against a pretty depleted Arkansas State team. They, they were pretty beat up more than just a quarterback. So I, um, <clears throat> you know, you, you, you take that win and you love it and you take all wins you can get, but, I still don't know if that was a litmus, as we joke, a litmus configuration test win. So we'll see. Um, Tomorrow would be more of one to go on the road against a really good defensive team. We'll see what happens. All right, so we'll take a timeout. When we come back, we will talk to Cody Juno, sideline reporter for the Cajuns, and get his opinion on that matchup and probably talk a little bit about the World Series as well. We'll do that with Cody Juno next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. And, you know, what kind of Saints fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to footnotes on the game. Want to remind you before we get to our special guest, the Lopa Trail Ride for Life. 2022 is this Sunday, the 10K to 5K or the one-mile superhero fun run. It's taking place at the Cherokee Ridge Horse Farm located 200 Flying W Road in Karen Crow. Participants uh, participating supports Lopa and is a chance to honor Lopa's life-saving heroes and celebrate the gift of life. For more information, visit lopa.org. Org. All right, Mr. Cody Juno, how are you, sir? I'm good. I mean, we've got football on Thursday. We've got the World Series getting underway on Friday. Uh, you know, I'm very honestly not super excited to be playing somebody else from the NL East, but uh, we'll see if this time can be different. You know, and you don't have to worry about whether they're going to play the game or not or rain delays because the Astros were wise enough 
to put a roof on their stadium when they built a new stadium. Of course, they were wise enough to have a roof on the previous stadium as well, uh, like some other rinky-dink outfits that don't, they're not smart enough to do that when they build new stadiums. But anyway, we won't go down that road too far. Um, no, I it, do have one, one last baseball question for you here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gotten some inquiring minds. We'll be, and, and obviously Friday uh, with high school football, um, not a, probably won't be an option, but are we going to have the ability to watch you watch the game? No, I don't. Well, certainly not Friday, but but I don't. I don't. I don't have a plan for that to happen yet. I have been asked that question several times. I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm not going to say no for sure. It's not going to happen. But as of now, it's not happening. No, sir. Okay. So there we'll we see. People were people were wondering. Yeah. So 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 we will see. I um. I don't know if I'm emotionally stable enough. I probably didn't look emotionally you don't, stable then. You don't know if you're emotionally. Stable I don't know enough, if I'm emotionally stable enough. Yeah, to do that right now. Like just say the answer is no. Yeah, but the fact that you're still wondering is that's amazing. I like it. Okay. <laughs> All right, Cajun football. Tomorrow's game at Southern Miss is juicy for so many levels. And one, obviously, it's one of these midweek games, national TV. Um, the Cajuns have won a couple games in a row, so they got a little momentum. And you're playing a team that they're certainly capable of beating, but at a place where you don't, you don't, you know, historically you've really never won except for once. And and uh, and you know, it's kind of it kind of feels like the Marshall game a little bit to me. How, how do you see it? Well, I, you know, I, again, the historical aspect of it is neat and cute, but I mean, it's uh, nobody on this roster is remotely familiar with that history, right? Like, right. You know, it's something for you know. I think. You know, in Monday's press conference, whether it was you or, or Dan, somebody asked about, you know, the history between you and the Miss, and Mike was like, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, we played there once, and he was right. There was a, a hurricane coming down in Cajun Field. Louisiana got uh, its face crushed, and that's the last time, right? And so, look, I think what, what will be a factor is that the people of Hattiesburg are going to be fired up. Um, listening to Will Hall a little bit this week, he certainly fired up, and and. You know, it's going to be the third consecutive uh, blackout game. Uh, you know, one the Cajuns put on, the other two, Marshall and, and now this one, right? The opponents uh, treating it as a big deal. No classes on Thursday in, in, in Hattiesburg on campus. And so uh, they're trying to get everybody out. And oh, by the way, they've won two in a row as well. So uh, I think that they are certainly looking at this as a really big game. I think that they are trying to um, – and rightfully so, I think, turned this into a rivalry, right? That's what everybody was really excited about when the Sunbelt Conference came together with the, the four new additions. Uh, and, and so I think the Cajuns are going to go into, um, you know, maybe maybe the most hostile environment that they've been into all year. And it's going to it's always important, but against a team that wins with defense, and it's going to be real important to not turn over the football. Even It's always important, but I think even more important in this game. And that's the one thing Ben has done a great job of in recent weeks. Well, I mean, the thing is the Cajuns have fumbled the football more than they, you know, earlier in the year. Yes, there were some interceptions, but they've, you know, they put the rock on the ground, which is something we haven't seen uh, Louisiana football teams do in, in a really, really long time. And, yes, I mean, look, these two teams are – uh, very similar when it comes to defense, right? Uh, you know, Southern Miss this is a four-overtime heartbreaker to Liberty in which they gave up 29 points in four overtimes, okay? Um, and, and I know that the overtime rules have changed, and but, again, 29 points in four overtimes. Um, you know, they beat Tulane, giving up only 24. They only gave up 27 uh, to, to the – 
Detroit, which was a loss, you know, twenty to nineteen win and a twenty to fourteen win. So yeah, we're gonna go into into the Rock on Thursday, and it's gonna be I think a bang them out, slug them out, um, you know, good old fashioned fight type of contest. All right. So offensively, you know, last year for those who don't know, Southern Miss had just a rash of injuries. They they were down to having to play a non-quarterback at the quarterback position. I mean, it was just a nightmare for them. So this year, they're kind of riding a freshman quarterback, and they're more – he's probably more of a runner than he is a passer. So this is going to be a game where the Cajuns need to control the line of scrimmage, not give up any big plays, kind of like they did – they gave up two or three really big plays and tackled a quarterback. I mean, am I wrong here? Is that What, what do you see with this matchup? Well, I think you're right in the sense that probably against you know you got to go back to Southeastern where you really had a threat running the with the quarterback running the football, right? Uh, you had a little bit of that against Monroe, and 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 certainly we hadn't seen it a whole lot since we saw the backup guy come in from Marshall and, and do some of that, uh, and and so yeah, I mean it, we could see the Cajuns play a little bit differently, but what's been the strength of this ball club? Really, week two moving forward, in my opinion, Kevin, has been the play of that defensive front, right? They've really set the tone for that Cajun defense. We know how strong the back is, the back end is, and how well they've played for most of this year. Um, you know, so maybe a different approach, but that defensive line has done a really good job of controlling the line of scrimmage for the most part. And, you know, I don't know why Thursday would be any different for that bunch. I mentioned uh, turnovers are important, and they always are. But I also think that I'm a big field goal guy. Got to make your field goals. And I think if you, in a game that's probably going to be a low-scoring game, missing field goals like you did against South Alabama, uh, you know, can come back to bite you. So that's going to be very important. And 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 for the first time in a while, I kind of kind of kind of have some confidence that they won't miss them. Right. I mean, you you look at how you know again missed the two in that South Al game, but closed out strong with a long one. And then, you know, Kenny's performance at um, at Marshall, right, was was really, really key to keeping the Cajuns, I don't want to say in the ballgame, but keeping things right there, right? Right. Giving them some confidence until the offense was finally able to, to pull away there and put the game away at, you know, towards the end of, of the contest. And so, yeah, look, special teams play, again, tackling, um, you know, covering kicks, right? You know, talking with Thomas Leo, uh, on the sideline Saturday, right? I've never seen a ball kicked the way that opening kickoff was kicked, right? And and for those of you that didn't see it, it was basically a knuckleball that never turned over. And it hit the guy square in the shoulder pads, and, and he wasn't able to catch it cleanly, and the Cajuns downed him, you know, in, inside the 10-yard line. And I was kind of joking. I was like, so I'm assuming that was kind of an accident, and if you could do it every time you would. He said, yes, it's the way the ball kind of rolls off the foot. It's incredibly hard to do. Uh, but my point being is they got big plays in special teams, right? So – Take care of those things. Cover kicks, tackle. Take care of things that you should be able to execute on. Um, you know, including knocking the ball through the uprights uh, when the offense can't get it in the end zone. Of course, one of the things though that you can't totally overlook from Saturday's game was they returned the kickoff for a touchdown. It just got called back. Right again, staying in lane. Yeah, they, they cannot let happen. that happen. Yep. That, that's how you lose Absolutely. a game like tomorrow, well, like Thursday. In, in a spe- well, Exactly, especially in a contest where you figure it to be low scoring, right? We know that the Southern Miss offense is, is going to struggle, right? We know that the strength of that Golden Eagle club is Austin Armstrong's uh, defense. And, and so, yeah, you can't 
you can't allow a special teams type of play to beat you, you know, or, you know, conversely, you can't allow the defense to score either. We've been talking about the offensive line all year. Coach Dez kind of addressed it in, you know, in the last couple press conferences. And it does seem like we talked about how it seemed like their two best performances were against South Alabama and Marshall, which on paper didn't make any sense. But I think it makes sense is that that's a month after, you know, the first couple games. And so they're getting more experience. And so it's not so much the level of competition that's dictating the improvement there. It's the fact that they've gotten more time in together and it seems to be paying off. Well, I think we talked about this last week. Um, you know, the five guys that are starting, they didn't, not a single one of them participated in spring football for various different reasons, one or another, right? So they're just now getting up to speed. And oh, by the way, most of them are replacing, again, we can go through the Lundress, right? Max Mitchell, Cyrus Torrance, Shane Vallow. Ken Marks, right? So three-year starter, seventh-year player, guy starting tackle in the NFL, and one that's going to be a starting guard in the NFL next season, right? Like that's what the Cajuns had to replace. Uh, and so it's taken some time. You know, thankfully for Louisiana, it seems to be able to start to come around, running the football. We'll see what Chris Smith's able to do. Uh, I know he's probably going to be excited being back in the state of Mississippi, right? So he's looking forward uh, to, to this contest. And so we'll see, because uh, there were plenty of holes on, on Saturday, right? Down field level, you could see that. You can see those Cajun backs kind of just missing a little bit of step of explosiveness. And so we'll see if Chris Smith's return to the lineup, which he's expected to play according to Coach Dez, um, you know, can help with that explosiveness. All right. The other thing that happened on Saturday's win is we got a chance to see some freshmen or players who played in games that don't normally get to play because the game got out of hand a little bit. So, Zylan Perry, um, he did not look like a normal freshman when he got on the field. Um, You know, you don't want to waste a red shirt, but, man, it looked like he could help this team. Well, uh, yeah, you talked about the running back. From uh, Franklin. Perry came in in, in the – you know the, the young man out of out of Franklin, Louisiana. Yeah, I mean you've heard Cajun coaches talking and, and kind of rave about him and talk and rave about Zion Chris as well and Zion McDonald, right? All those three guys that we get we saw have uh, some playing time. The, the latter two being quarterbacks, um, and, and and so yeah, I mean he seemed to have that step, right? And so we'll see what what the future holds. Again, with that. You know, with the way that the Cajuns rotate those to running backs, I understand why he's probably being held back for a redshirt unless they need to to go ahead and, and, and burn that. But, you know, Des talked about it Saturday post game, and I think he's absolutely right. It's one of the best rule changes we've seen, right, in a sport that needs to address a lot of things. But the ability to allow young men to get on the field for up to four games without burning a redshirt, um, and, and we're starting to see that, right, as we get later into the year, and you start doing the math, uh, maybe we'll see some more of them down the road. Now, the bowl game counts on that as one of the four, right? That is correct, yeah. So, I don't know. They might have to use him sparingly. I don't know, because it just sure seems like he could help. I mean, now, if if Chris Smith comes back and plays, there won't be that much room for him because, you know, I don't have any issues with how Terrence ran or how Draylon ran or, you know, or Chris, obviously, or – or Kabodi for that matter, but man, he just looked like he looks like the it could be some excitement in the future from that position with him. 
I, I don't doubt it. But but I think to your point, right, you just rattled off a list of four names. And if you get a healthy Chris Smith back, you get that explosiveness. I understand a decision to, you know, to maybe hold him back uh, and, and let him develop a little bit more. I, 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 absolutely. All right. So, you know, a huge game because it's on national TV, huge game because you've already lost two games. And if you've got any chance of doing what you would like to do, you got to win this game and, and you got to be, you got to win out. I mean, you got to win every, and so, um, but it's also like you said, I really think it's the beginning of what's going to be a return of a rivalry. And I understand us old people are the only ones that probably get that by now, but, but you got to start somewhere. So I think it's going to start Thursday. And look, I think I think Southern Miss is bought in on the robbery, right? And, and I think a, a good number of, of you know Cajun supporters and fans are too, right? Think about when these two ball clubs get together on the diamond, right? And it's intense now. Um, and, and again, you want to talk about some about conference baseball and how exciting that's going to be, right? But that's kind of the most probably recent you know, connection that the two right. fan bases have, and that, that's on the baseball field. And and so things are a little bit different on the football field. Again, it's been a very long time since since they played. And, and so, um, yeah, I'm with you, man. Three and a half hours. You know, this was a game when the schedule first released that I was very disappointed that it was on a Thursday night, right? Now, again, it's going to, I think, add to it. You know, they're calling it lights out. I was joking with somebody over there. I was like, Make sure we have lights because we're going to need those to play. It's going to be dark. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's a night kickoff, right? So I know you guys are having lights out at the Rock and stuff, but let's make sure we got a plan for that. Uh, so they're doing everything, right? I mentioned no school. I think they're all in on the rivalry, and, and I just hope that, uh, you know, the Cajun side is as well. All righty, sir. Uh, think about, well, I'll see you between now and then, but think about me Friday because, you know, I'll be at a high school game, game one of the World Series, nerves, and – Blood pressure, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'll, uh, yeah, I will see you Thursday in, in, in Hattiesburg, and uh, I will I will think about you, um, you know, Friday night on, when I'm on my patio watching the Astros. <laughs> All right. All right. Take care. Thank you, Cody. All right, buddy. <laughs> see ya. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. Again, if you would not like to talk about Cajun football, any reactions to anything Cody and I were talking about, certainly feel free. I, I think this is a very winnable game, but again, if, if they go to Hattiesburg and they and and they play really good defense, so you figure it's going to be low scoring. It's the kind of game you miss field goals, you give up a short field or like a pick six or a scoop and score. That's how you lose. So you, it's it's again, it's always important to not turn over the football. But if you play in one of these, you know what I call forty two forty games, then there's enough offense in that game to where and enough possessions in that game to where you could maybe overcome something like that. But it's going to be a lot more difficult to overcome if the final score is 
I mean, I'm just throwing out numbers here. 17 to 16, and you give up a pick six, or you give up a scoop and score, or you give up a 95-yard kickoff return for a touchdown or something like that, then that could really just decide the game. And and that's why it's good to have like an Eric Guerra returning punts because if he does something special in a punt return, which he's done several times in his career, and, and including several times this year, that could be the difference between winning and losing. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those games where – it's going. You figure it's going to be physical. Although I just think it's harder to be physical on a Thursday than it is on a Saturday. But we'll see how it plays out. Should be an interesting contest. I'm looking forward to going. I've never actually covered a game there, so um, uh, we'll see how it'll be an experience. If regardless of what happens for me, all right, we'll take a go back to the game hotline. Hello, go. Yes, sir, Mister Foot. I was just telling, I was just texting with somebody about this idea, going through my portfolio here and just looking at some things, thinking about some things, thinking about the NFL, how some some things might be better and stuff. I was just texting with somebody, and they told me it sounds like a good idea. They said they never thought about it. It sounded like a good idea. So I said, you know what, I'm going to run it by Mr. Kevin Foote, see what Kevin Foote says about it. But Kevin Foote, you know, there's a lot of bad football right now on some of these <clears throat> And we notice all these primetime games and stuff. A lot of them are terrible and stuff. The Thursday night game and the Monday, stuff like that. Sunday night game has been a little bit better for some strange reason. But Thursday and Monday have been kind of, you know, kind of shaky. I was thinking about maybe maybe the NFL should have those games, like the Thursday and Monday games, all divisional games. What do you think about that? Uh, um. As long as they weren't at the beginning of the year, I guess I'd be all, or at the end of the year, I'd be all for it. If they were in the middle of the year, I, 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 I'd be, yeah, I'd be, that's I'd be what for that. Kind of yeah, too. I was right. kind of saying mostly towards the middle, like week six on, you know, yeah. stuff like that. No, I, I'm, I'm good with that. Of course, I'd have thought last night's game would be one of your favorite ten favorite games of all time because your little team got embarrassed on national TV. Wait, 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 say it again? I would have thought that you thought last night's game is one of your top ten favorite games of all times. The Patriots got embarrassed by a bad yeah, Bears team on national but, I mean, team. I mean, it's just not it's – not, it's not no good football there. Well, yeah, you know, but, I mean, so, all, I mean, all that entertainment factor in football and sports is overrated. I mean, it, it's not yeah. about style and grace. It's about the teams you hate looking bad and the teams you like looking good and winning. That, that That's all it's looking – that's all it's about in my yeah. mind. Yeah, I mean, you know, I understand that, but I'm just saying just from a, you know, from a viewer's perspective and right. stuff and how we look at these games and stuff, I would think some of these division games would be good on these Thursdays and Mondays, man. You know, in the middle of, of the course, season, yeah, I'd be all like, for yeah, it. Yes, Pacers, of course, I'd be all for it in the middle of the season. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I said too. I, I want to run that by and see what you said about that because I was thinking about that and I'm like, that does sound good, you know, and stuff. And I said it would kind of maybe make for better matchups on some of these nights because division games, you know, are more important and stuff like that. I mean, they're all important because you have so few, but the division game means a little bit more, so those would be better matchups to watch on these nights because some of these games, man, have just been terrible. So, yeah, I want to run that by your foot. I'm up in All right, take care. As far as this Thursday, all I can say is go Ravens. I mean, the Ravens can't let me down. Wouldn't it be something? I mean, it would be sickening, but 
because I'd be so mad at the at the Saints for choking like dogs. But um, can you imagine the the Falcons? Like if I'm the Falcons right now, I'm thinking I can win this division. Why not? Why wouldn't you be thinking that? Like you could actually win this division. I mean, all you. That is just sickening. But yeah, um, go Ravens. That's about all you can say right now. You know, once upon a time, the Saints had a nice little run against the Raiders, but the last few games against the Raiders have been sickening. Sickening games. So I I just don't have a lot of confidence right now just because I feel like the Raiders could easily, not just could, they should be better than two and four. They should be at least four and two, probably more like five and one. So I think they're playing at a consistently higher level than the Saints have played at this year. They just haven't won game. They've lost a bunch of close games. Um, but again, you can't worry about that anymore. You, when you've done what the Saints have done this year, you have to, at sooner or later, you have to be able to just step up and say, okay, enough. We're going to go out and play a good football game and win. Like, you, you just have to. And then if you do that, then you can build on it. But you, but you got to do it first. They haven't played, again, the only game that I would say was, a, was as close to a complete game as you could get was the Viking game in London, and then the officials decide to, to cheat in that. So and you know, it, it was you know every other game. I mean, they didn't play great defense in that game, but they played some defense. Like they played some. In the other games, they didn't play any defense. I mean, they did against the Arnolds, but the Arnolds were terrible. That was Baker Mayfield. I don't even count that. By the way, speaking of Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones's record right now is what six and one. It's a team game. I get it. It's not Daniel Jones' record. It's the Giants' record. But think about where Baker Mayfield is right now. And think about where Daniel Jones is right now. And think about the gall it took for Baker Mayfield to, to look down his nose and try to make fun and ridicule Daniel Jones for being taken six spots below him like he's some great player. And how just laughed because they picked Daniel Jones instead of, you know, anywhere near the great Baker Mayfield, who's a complete donkey. I mean, they, they made, they got better by putting a third string quarterback in there. They got better. The Arnold's offense got better by putting a third string quarterback in significantly better. The gall of that guy. I mean, I, you know, I never liked him in Oklahoma. But then when he put when he acted like that, I'm like, look at this guy. I mean, he's just Baker Mayfield. What a bozo that guy is. And all can you imagine and, and again, the commercials were actually pretty good. But doing a um a commercials for that long with a with a fourth or fifth round talented donkey man. 
Oh, man. What a coup. All the money that guy made for being a donkey. Can you imagine? We're talking about stealing money. All the all the fame and money that cat. I don't care about his paycheck, but I mean, it's just for being a donkey. That is just that's amazing to me. Only in America. I mean, it's just unbelievable, unbelievable. But yes, in ter- speaking of Thursday night football, of course, I won't be watching the game. I'm gonna be in Hattiesburg watching covering the Cajuns. I'm sure I'll be following the score here and there, or hear the score here and there. So all I can say is go Ravens. Continue to to crush the ego. Continue to crush the confidence and add another L to the Yugs just in case the Saints decide to play to their potential one of these games or one of these months. Maybe after Halloween, the Saints will just kind of say, okay, you know what? We're going to start like being a real team again. We're going to start playing to our potential instead of, I don't know, what in the world we're watching right now. It's just pitiful. Pitiful. I, you know, again, it, it's 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 an incredible week. Astros are going to the World Series. You know, got a lot of happy people. LSU's just coming off a great win. The Cajuns are coming off a big win, playing on national TV. So much is good, except... For so many of us, not all of us, some people hate the Saints in this area. I get that. But most of us who are NFL fans, you know, like the Saints. So you like, and, and, and then there's the Saints. And you just got to, like, you know, put your head down and just shake your head. I mean, just, we could be all fired up right now. It could just be total, all glorious for most fans, whether they're Cajun LSU fans. I mean, Cajun Saints fans or LSU Cajun fans. There's a lot of both. Like, you could just, you know, every, and, and then a lot of those are Astro fans, too. And so it would just be all good. But, no, the Saints have to drop the ball and act like idiots and play like, you know, this is 2015 again. Unbelievable. But still a chance. We'll see if they can take advantage of it. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back, finish out today's show on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Want to remind you again to go to the game clubhouse where you could win $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, or $25 to Mabel's Kitchen. Can't join win any of these great prizes or others if you don't join the clubhouse, so do so today. All right. I want to get back to the subject that we kind of talked about in the first hour before we leave today's program. and Because I hear a lot of talk, and I think it's really – I think a lot of it is off base. The word analytics is thrown around today, and I think it's misused in a lot of cases. The idea that because Dusty's old school that the Astros don't use any analytics, that's not true. Like the Astros have had, in terms of shifting, probably shifted as much or more than any team in baseball in the last four or five years. They do it all the time. And I think the part of analytics that people who just automatically dismiss analytics that they're missing out on is this. It's not so much... Like, I think the Yankees are not bad because analytics, because they don't do analytics right. It's not that analytics are bad. 
because the Astros use analytics. But obviously, they're doing it right. It, this idea that if your team is doing it wrong, then that means analytics is bad. That's not good because I think, in my mind, the biggest thing about analytics is not what you do on the field. It's the rationale that you use in who you acquire, who you sign in free agency, who you trade for. Yes, some of it is, um, you know, who, uh, you know, whether you shift or whether you bunt or never bunt or whether you steal a base or never steal a base. Some, all of that is part of analytics. But a, a huge part that not a nearly enough people talk. I mean, go back and watch the movie Moneyball. Yeah, they, they you know, he, they played certain guys. You play certain guys that maybe somebody else wouldn't play. But the biggest thing about it is how you evaluate a player. Like, the ask, you, 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 you have to use analytics to say, well, this guy does this. And if I get this guy to do this on the bench, and I get this guy to do this as my starting whatever position, and this guy to do this on the bench, then together as a team, they may not have a lot of superstars, but it fills all the gaps. It answers all the questions. I can pull this guy off the bench to do this. I don't have a gaping hole right here. If you use analytics correctly, then you, you the team that the roster that you put together is more sound. So again, too many people are like, "Oh, analytics is terrible. We got to get rid of them." Booger Boats yesterday when they introduced him as the Yankee as the new Rangers manager, he's like, "I want all the information I could get." Doesn't mean you have to use it all. He's not saying. Never use analytics. You just have to know when to use it and when not to use it. But I think nearly all the people who are anti-analytics, what they're missing out on is you have to use that really almost more importantly. And the players that you pick them up, why you're picking them up, and understanding how to devise this whole puzzle. I think you have to use analytics in your roster construction. I think too many people think analytics is, well, I never steal a base, and I just try to hit home runs, and I do the shift. That's all part of it, but it's not all of it. And I think that's where some teams just go way wrong. They just don't know how to devise a roster because they don't use analytics. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's a largely misunderstood, the whole analytics concept. I know this. I'm glad the Astros use analytics. And they've done a great job of using it properly. And sometimes you don't use it when, when it doesn't apply. And Dusty's done a great job of that, especially with Yuli. All right, y'all have a nice day. Stay safe.